Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Welcome to Not Real Art. This is Not Real Art, people. The podcast that celebrates the rise of the creative class and creativity, the creative economy, and all the killer cool stuff that we get to play with as creatives and artists and designers. And today I am joined with my partner in crime. It's been a minute. Yeah. Mr. Man One in the house. Finally back. Glad to be back on uh, Not Real Art. Dude, you've been all over the world. Since the last time you were here, it's been that long. It's been a, been a minute. You Shit. haven't been here since Japan, since before Japan and Hong Kong. Well, I was in a different time zone. That's why. <laughs> and then some. <laughs> I mean, when you're in that part of the world, it's like the time zone is like the yeah. least of the changes. Right. Right. Yeah, man. I guess it has been a minute or like an hour. <laughs> it's right. been an hour. Right. Right. Well, that's what happens here. when you're a busy motherfucker. <laughs> you know. I guess so, you know. So why were you even in Japan? I was and Hong Kong for that matter. Yeah, so a few months ago I went to Hong Kong and Japan basically to do research, I guess you could say. Oh yeah, research, yeah. right? Sure. Research. That's what I said when I went. Yeah. Yeah, basically, you know, one of my clients who's having me do a bunch of big murals for him, you know, some of the two of the murals are going to be about Hong Kong and Tokyo mm-hmm. or Japan, whatever. And he just asked me, hey, so have you been to Tokyo? Have you been to Hong Kong? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, what are you doing next month? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, man, took him up on the offer. So, and it was research. Okay. I no, it back. literally was. It literally was. And I was in Hong Kong for about, what, two and a half days and then Japan for like three and a half days and... And that was it. It was like a whirlwind That's week. whirlwind, dude, to yeah. go that far for just, you yeah. know, a few days. Yeah, so it was... You must have been pretty beat up. I felt good. Yeah. I thought the jet lag was going to kill me, but... Right, not so bad. It was not so bad. I mean, the only part that I didn't like was I didn't get to paint. I just didn't have enough time. And also my contacts in... I didn't have any contacts in Hong Kong. I didn't know anyone in Hong Kong until I got there. And in Tokyo, all my friends in Tokyo were out of town or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there was... You know, if you don't know the land, it's but you be had the hard. client there, yeah. So my or a representative, my, well, of my the client. client met me in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and you know he had his meetings, and then we'd have lunch and dinner and stuff like that. Yeah. But for the most part, I was just walking around, taking photos, getting inspiration. You know, just enjoying the trip and meeting the people and getting feel the culture and all that. And in Tokyo, one of his employees kind of 
you know, hung out with me and one of his associates, I guess, or whatever, hung out with me and took me everywhere and showed me, you know, whatever I wanted to see in Japan. So, yeah, it really was like an incredible, like, you know, trip just the whole way. Just everything, you know? So wait, so you didn't paint while you were there. You're doing research. The mural that you're doing is for this company. I'm guessing they have offices in Japan or something? Yeah. So this company has- What is the company? What do they even do? So the company's called RTI. Oh, look, I see my homeboy there. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. So RTI, they run cable, undersea cable. All undersea over, cable. Yeah. All over the world. So wait a minute. So ba- these well, are the cables that, that basically are in the sea that sort of hook up, what, the internet? And- yeah, they run the internet from like, you know, connecting the USA mm-hmm. off the Pacific coast to, you know, to Hawaii, Guam. Wow. And they manufacture the cable. No, they- They lay it. They lay it in and okay. they run it, you know? Wow. So, and it goes all the way to Japan and Australia. So they have partners. It's a long ass extension cord. Yeah. So basically, it's it's all of Asia, and so all their partners are in Asia, and most of their business is in Asia. Mm-hmm. And so in their facilities here in Hermosa Beach, I've been doing some murals for them. Mm-hmm. Pretty massive murals. I mean, like I'm going to be covering the entire facility by the time this is all said and done. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a it's a great project. It's a lot of fun. And like I said, you know, the main guy, you know, said, hey, you want to go take this trip and get some inspiration? I said, sure. Hell yeah. <laughs> How much yeah. for some inspiration, please? How much for an ounce of inspiration? Yeah. And now I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm Right now I'm designing the murals and hopefully, you know, another week I should have something to show them. And yeah, it's one of those things where sometimes you, it's kind of like a dream client. Sure. You know? Letting me do what I do best giving me input, but, you know, still letting me do my own thing and then letting me do it on a big scale and then just providing everything I need so that I can make it happen. And so I think this is, you know, a long-term relationship that we have going on and it's going to be interesting where it goes and the type of murals and art and projects that come out of here, you know, because like I said, he's very well connected in, in Asia, especially in China and Japan. And so I think we're going to be able to do some things over there. So idea for a future episode, we should have the client on the show with you. Oh yeah, we'll bring him on. You know, we'll bring him talk on. Talk about the project. I'll let him. Well, because see what's why up. you? I mean, I know he loves you and loves your work, obviously, he wouldn't be hiring you. But I mean, like, what about your work does he love? Like, yeah. what was it? Why you? Like, really, you know? Right. And that's really it'd be cool to hear. Sure. Because I mean it'd be one thing to hire you for a mural at their headquarters in Hermosa, but mm-hmm. they're having you do this stuff all over the world. Right. And eventually, uh, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, as you said, a dream client. Yeah. I think one, you know, some of the conversations we've had, I think, is that him as a, you know, CEO of a a company this big. And he owns a company or is he a CEO? Is it a private company or a public company? Private. And yeah, he owns it. And so, you know, one of the things is that we've talked a lot about, he's really impressed with the way I think in terms of business, Mm -hmm. not just art. Yeah. And how I think about art as a business, you know? Right. So he really respects that. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, a lot of times you meet artists and they just have a very narrow view of what business is about or they don't even know anything about business. And I think he really appreciates that I have a different sensibility when it comes to my art. Yeah. 
and how I run my operation. Oh, wait. You know? He appreciates that you're a professional? Was that? I think so. Yeah. I hope so. You know? No, yeah. He, yeah, he does. But we've shared a lot of things about it. You know, like, you know, one of the things we've talked about a lot is the importance of relationship in developing your business. And he basically says that's his number one thing in all the business he does. It's about relationships. Yeah. And I feel the same way. And that's, you know, I tend to work with people that I like to work with. You know, I tend to get involved in projects that through different avenues, not just, you know, your typical way of getting an art job, you know, let's say, you know, well, I guess I can say by, you know, most of my collectors become my friends, you know, or they're my friends and then they become collectors. Sure. Because I think it's important that my art goes to people that I know or that at least I've had some kind of dealing with or whatever. But to me, you know, my art is very personal and it's like, you know, as much as you love to sell art to everybody, it's always more special when it's somebody that you know or that you get to know or who takes it to another level, you know. And then with clients, same thing, you know, since I do a lot of client work, I want to meet them and know what's going on with them as a person and and whatever you know right so what was the craziest thing about japan and you were in tokyo yeah i was in tokyo god there was so many things you know what i think maybe not crazy not the right word but i think what i was really impressed about was just because i've been to japan before but i was in osaka so it's a lot less hustle and bustle what took you to osaka Exactly 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I went to Osaka to teach graffiti to a design school. 150 students at a design school. Shit. Okay. I've known you 15 years. I don't think I ever heard this story. No? That's fucking amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I went to the first time I went to Japan was in 99. And I was leading a tour in LA to some Japanese art students, actually, mm-hmm. from OCA, Osaka Communication Arts. And I was in a documentary before that in the mid 90s that was called graffiti verite and this guy bob bryan who directed it and produced it it was his vision and came out to be a great documentary about the whole graffiti culture in la we did this tour yeah and then in la with these japanese students or whatever like two or three busloads of students and you know when the tour was over bob bryan asked me to lead the tour with him and when the tour was over, the director of the school, you know, said, hey, you know, can you come to Japan and do something with our students? And I was like, hell yeah. So we went over there and Bob Bryan and I went over there and we did, I guess, like a week long, you know, workshop with these students. And that was a really interesting trip too. obviously being my first time there in Japan. But one of the things was that I didn't understand the culture at all, you know, other than what I've known or read about or seen on TV or whatever. So like one of the very first things I told them is like, you know, they said, well, how do you want to run the workshop? And I said, give me a wall at the school and then we'll do like a graffiti mural and the kids, well, not kids, but the students will help me out or whatever. And they said, well, we don't have a wall. There's no walls at the school. <laughs> it's a wall at school. And it like, is an outdoor school. I'm like, you have hundreds of students, <laughs> thousands, maybe it's thousands of students. Yeah, I want to hear the you, answer. And you don't have a wall. Yeah. I'm like, okay, these guys are, you know, okay, Japanese are... WTF. Maybe they don't understand what what I meant by wall, right? Yeah, right. So, of course, I finally get to the school and sure enough, there's no walls (laughs) because the school is a building entirely made out of glass. 
you know, like five or six stories tall, just glass. All glass <laughs> building. <laughs> so there are walls, they're just glass walls that you can't paint on. That you can't paint on, you know? So you every can etch. Yeah. So I wish you just got, you know. And then, then I understood, you know, because when I think of a school, I yeah. think of a flat area. Sure. Right? With numerous buildings. And there was this was just like one big giant building. Right. And it was all made out of glass. And I said, okay, I get it now. So we ended up getting like canvases and stuff. We went up to the mountains, beautiful, like picturesque mountains outside of Osaka mm. and like an outdoor open, you know, area where they had like this, it was covered, mm-hmm. but it was open, you know, yeah. it was like a, what do you call that? Like a, like a roofed area or whatever. Okay. I don't know what you call it, but it was a really large space in the middle of, it was like a campground kind of thing, right? okay. but it was huge. Right. And so all the students, you know, I gave each student, well, we, we teamed them up like in three to five students per canvas mm-hmm. and then set up the canvases all over the place. And for a few days, we did a graffiti workshop. And that was really interesting because I wanted them to do like, you know, Japanese fonts and do Japanese words or whatever. And they didn't want to. They uh, were they're like, like, fuck that. We do that all the time. They were like, this is graffiti. It should be in English. It's American. It's an American art and form. I was yeah. like, no, that's not, no, that's not at all correct. Like, you know, do whatever the hell you want to do. That's what graffiti is about. And they were like, yeah, no. <laughs> wow. And so I couldn't. So tight these Japanese. And, and so, and so I said, how do <laughs> no you. No offense. <laughs> how do you, how do you do, you know, how do you spell man one? You know, they showed me like the letters, right? Right. So then I got the kanji, is that what it's called, right? The, the letter forms or whatever. Okay. And so I did it in my style with arrows and stretched it out in 3ds and i mm. said does that still say man one they're like yeah and i'm like okay cool that's what i'm talking about see you just get your letter forms and and they're like no we're not gonna do that <laughs> and i just couldn't get them to do it and i think they were really like maybe it's part of the culture just because you know they probably just imagine how many hours years they spend sure. learning how to perfectly well i mean look i i feel like you know you were an exotic animal yeah. to them and you they were exotic to you right? right so you wanted to embrace their culture but they wanted to embrace your culture yeah right so like they were like no yeah English. So, so there was like <laughs> there was like one group of students who did it oh cool and everyone was like oh these guys are crazy these you know yeah they were the outcasts right but you know they did it they did like a north south east west piece and they used all the japanese you know fonts or whatever mm-hmm and they were the only ones who tried it, you know? And I was like, that's cool. Well, obviously, since then, the graffiti world has completely changed. And, you know, tons of graffiti artists in Japan now use that type of letter form, you know? Like, it's no longer, you know, this, you know, weird thing to do it in, so in, you started in the native a trend. language. I don't know if I started it, but definitely back then <laughs> they weren't doing it. Right, you know? right. Well, it was funny because even in Osaka, I was like, you know, where you know, where can I do this or do that? And then there was an area that was called like the American village or something like that. Okay. You know? And that and that's where all the American brands were. Sure. You know? And that was the only place in Osaka where there was graffiti. <laughs> and it was okay that there was graffiti there. You yeah, know? yeah. But everywhere else in Osaka was like completely clean, you know? And I was like, oh man. It's fascinating. So here's the link between that trip and my Tokyo trip 20, 20 years, years later. later. 20 years later. Right. So one of the craziest things, right? You asked me what's one of the craziest things I saw over there. Well, when I was in Osaka, 
1999. I remember being in the hotel and it was like an American hotel, right? Like they always tell you this is an American hotel because, you know, there's actually like a, like a bed and bathroom <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know what it's You can leave your shoes on when you walk in. <laughs> and they have American breakfast, you know, whatever that means. Fruit Loops, that's what that means. So I remember when I was in the room, you know, changing channels and, you know, there was a big sumo wrestling thing going on that time and whatever. So then you have your pay channels, right? And like, you know, like a normal place and anywhere I thought in the world, there's like the pay channels, you know? Yeah. Like uh, for movies and stuff. For movies. like right? yeah. And so they had like, you know, obviously you could pay for porn, right? Oh, sure. Typical. I prefer not to. Right. And but so yes. they, they had a Playboy channel. Yes. And they had, you know, a Japanese channel, uh -huh. right? Okay. But then they had golf. <laughs> right? Yeah. So pay for golf. Those were the three channels you could pay for. You could pay for- They really um, get off on their golf there. You could pay for American porn, Japanese porn, or golf. <laughs> and I was like, these motherfuckers are sick. <laughs> They're paying for golf. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so ever since then, I was like, that's the thing that just freaked me out the most is that Dude, these guys are so sick that they're willing to pay for golf. And like, mind you, when when we landed in Osaka, everywhere we drive around, you would see these golf ranges everywhere. These big giant golf. I mean, they love golf over right, there. Right. So so into it. Yeah. But I never knew that they were so into it that they were willing to pay for <laughs> golf on on yeah. in the hotel room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all these years, I'm like, these guys are just sick. That's that's it's the sickest fetish. thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. okay. That just threw me off. Right. right. So here we are 20 years later, I'm in Japan a few months ago, and we're in Tokyo. And so I tell my friend, Shota, who was my- Shout out Shota. Yeah, man, he showed me the city. And you know, he's a cool guy, because he's Japanese, but he's lived abroad. Mm. He's lived in you know, New York City mm. and everything, and now he's back in Japan. So he knows the outside world, and he knows the inside world, right? So it's perfect, yeah. you know? So I started asking him, I said, you know, this was the sickest thing <laughs> when I went to Osaka that I couldn't, I still can't understand why people would pay for golf, you know, for a golf channel, pay-per-view golf, right? And he said, see, Japanese culture, there's always a reason. We don't do anything for no reason, right? And I said, well, what could possibly be the reason to pay for, <laughs> for golf in a hotel room? And he's like, well, you know, businessmen in Japan travel all over the country, all the time. It's like if you're in a big company and most people are, they're traveling all the time. And when you're a traveling businessman, you know, you don't want to rack up all these porn charges on your hotel room. But if you rack up golf charges, <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect plan. Oh man, I was like, now it makes so much fucking sense. You're cloaking you know? your behavior. All this time, I thought they were just sick fucks, and then I realized they're just brilliant. Bait and switch. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> no, honey. I was not watching porn. I was watching golf. You know they make you pay for the golf channel. Yeah. yeah you know? Every night, I watch golf. This becomes a new way. <laughs> so, next time when we talk, you're like, what are you doing? I'll be like, I'm watching golf. Watching golf. And you'll know what I mean. So, that was pretty hilarious. I was like, oh, I see. Yeah, I get it. This was happening. So there was a lot of enlightenment that happened <laughs> on this trip, you know, because last trip I really didn't have someone hang out with me all the time to explain right. things like that to me. But, you know, for example, one of the things was that walking around Tokyo, there was this like yellow, on the sidewalk, there was this like yellow road that hugged the sidewalk. Okay. On the inside of the sidewalk. And it was just like, you know, 
two and a half feet wide and it just anywhere there was a sidewalk there was this yellow strip right but the curious thing about the strip is that it had like three bumps in the middle of it so when you're walking on the sidewalk if you stepped on there you could twist your ankle okay if you're riding your bike your wheel could get stuck in there right and i was like why it makes no sense because everyone's on bikes everyone's walking around you know why do they have this this freaking you know yellow thing with bumps on it right yeah so I asked, you know, my friend Shota, I go, what's, what's up with this, you know? I see it everywhere. And he said, oh, that's for blind people so that they can navigate the city too. And I was like, <laughs> of course it is, you know? And he turns around and he goes, and I say, we, I, at the moment, I told him, well, that's what I really like about Japan is that the designers here, even in urban design and landscape or whatever, like all the designers are thinking about the people and the user right you know and i'm such a cynical asshole that i'm thinking to myself like how many blind people do they have <laughs> right well, that's the thing. Yeah. right like- and so then he says you know he goes well there's the same thing all over the world right like that's how designers are all <laughs> yeah, over the world right. <laughs> and i said well if that's true then in our country people don't give a shit about blind people yeah because <laughs> i've never seen other than some braille here and there on right. an elevator right you know people don't care and that's that's what I found most intriguing in Japan was just the design of everything. Everything was designed in a certain way, right? And designed to really help, mm-hmm. like the flow—not mm-hmm. just the flow of the people, but actually yeah. the people. Yeah. Another thing, the trash trucks, right? They were like smaller, more compact. Well, first of all, all the cars were more compact and smaller, which, you know, of course, it makes sense. Smaller streets, more people, blah sure. blah. Packed in, super dense. But I kept taking photos of all these cars, right? Like there'd be like a truck, but it'd be like a tiny truck. There'd be a, you know, a taxi and it'd be like compact. And it just looked, it was like a cute version. You're like, how does a sumo wrestler (laughs) drive this truck? And like, it was almost like they're building cars for women, right? Like, like I could see women saying, oh, that's a cute truck. Oh, Mm. that's, you know. Right. And I kept taking pictures of all these cars because I just thought they were just so different. And he said, well, don't you guys have this car over there? And I'm like, no, it's not that size. Like we do have. It's like a hundred times that size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and so even like their their garbage truck was smaller. Right. Much more compact. Mm. Right. And here's the thing. It played music. Like, you know, like a like an ice cream truck pulls up and starts playing music. The fucking trash truck started playing music. <laughs> Dude, that's brilliant. Right? Because I don't know, at my house, when the trash pulls up you it's, fucking hate it it's, it's the noisiest, noisiest thing <laughs> right it's disgusting yeah why not play some fucking music right and i was like that's fucking brilliant like these guys first of all their trucks are not noisy like ours right right and there's two guys operating it and they come and take the trash so out. okay so let's drill down on that for yeah. a minute because you know i think that a trash you know, truck, dump truck, you know, when I think about it playing music, I feel pretty strongly that it's got to be death metal. <laughs> yeah, it was you not death I mean? metal. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, Anywho, I digress. Well, that's probably what they would, you know, come up with here. Or heavy metal. Maybe not death yeah, metal, but it's got to definitely yeah, be heavy metal. Some heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I was just like, they're just thinking about people, mm, you know? It's yeah. like, why does a trash truck have to be so freaking noisy? Yeah. And, you know... It's kind of like, excuse our mess, mm. but, you know, put up with us for a little while yeah. and hear some nice music to right. soothe your soul. <laughs> but it, it, well, it's just fascinating too, because not to extrapolate this to an extreme, but, you know, different cultures handle yeah. 
what we'll call end of life differently. Yeah. Right. So, and I'm, I might be stretching here, but as I understand it, Japan respects the elderly. Absolutely. Yeah. America, I will go on a limb here and say, <laughs> I don't think America as a culture really respects, we worship youth, not age, yeah. not the yeah. elders. Right? right. True. So we also take that same mindset when it comes to our trash and our products. Mm -hmm. Companies that make products don't think about the end right. cycle or upcycling or, or they don't take responsibility no. for their products or their packaging or their trash after you buy that product. Right. And so our whole culture does, we don't think about how much trash we're putting out there. Therefore, right. we don't care about the fucking trash trucks or whatever. And in Japan, they just have a much more kind of savvy, sophisticated, refined culture yeah, that thinks through the whole cycle of things, whether it's, right. you know, aging and life or perhaps, you know, products and recycling. Well, think about this, you know, Japan's an island. So everything they produce sure. is going to stay on that island. Sure. Right. And they're limited. Like, for example, water. I remember at McDonald's, they had an area where you can dump like the liquid that's left over and yeah. then another area where you could dump the ice. And then another area where you could recycle the cup, you know? And so even the water is being recycled That's amazing. and reused. They're, they're deconstructing mm -hmm. the elements of that drink. Yeah. Separating the ice, the cup. Right. And then what was the third thing? Just the- The, the drink. The drink. Yeah, yeah. The liquid. The liquid. So, you know, you could, you know, reuse it because, you know, the toilet or mm -hmm. whatever. So, yeah. The, I mean, I think this just in general, the country, the people, they're just- like, for example, it's super safe. I mean, it's one of the safest countries, like, in the world. It's got to be, you know? When I'm walking down the street and you see a row, you know, 30, 40, 50 bikes sure. lined up on the street. Sure. With no chains or locks on them. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted a jack a bike. You yeah, know what right, I'm saying? I'm right. like. <laughs> some good bikes. Some good bikes. Good ass they, bikes here. They must be free here, you know? But, you know, they didn't even lock up their bikes. Wow. You know, in Tokyo, in a city of millions of people. Right. Right. And it's just because, you know, there's a, obviously a tradition, a history of respect. You know, you see it when people talk on the phone and you can tell who they're talking to because they're on the phone and you'll see them, you know, bow when they're talking on the phone. Because imagine their, their respect is so ingrained in them that even when they're on the phone, they're showing, you know, respect. I wonder if they get. You know how like repetitive motion gives you like carpal tunnel in your wrist? Yeah. I wonder if they get carpal tunnel in their <laughs> neck from or their waist from bowing so much. Maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I just love Japan. I was, you know, next time I go, I got to stay. What were people saying like about Fukushima? Did that come up at all? No, I didn't. I didn't get to talk a lot to a lot of people about, yeah. you know. They probably about, don't want to talk They probably about don't want to talk about it. it. Yeah. But, you know. To be honest, I interacted with, you know, a few people here and there, but not not like an overwhelming amount of people. But there's like, I mean, there's okay. So my friend Omai, shout out to Omai. Omai. Oh and, you know, he's a photographer, music guy. I've known him for years. You know, he's interviewed me and photographed me for a lot of Japanese magazines over the years and just knows everybody. Like mm -hmm. if it's hip hop related, like he knows them. He's, yeah. he's he, yeah, he's in the, in the middle. Yeah. And, and he's a in the laid mix. back, cool guy, you know, whatever. And so I hit him up and he's like, yeah, meet me at this bar, right? My favorite, he said it's my favorite bar in Japan. 
in Tokyo. That's a big statement. That's a big statement, especially for somebody like Omai. Oh <laughs> I think his name is Omai oh because it's how much he drinks. Like, Omai, oh he drinks a lot. <laughs> so I meet him at this tiny bar and it's called JBS. And it looks like the JBL logo, you know, okay. the speaker logo, yep. the JBL, but it's JBS and yeah. it stands for Jazz Blues Soul. Right? I like it already. And walk in, it was a tiny spot. There was probably like four people in there when I walked in. But the place is awesome. It's like the owner is this old Japanese guy. I forgot his name, but it's an old guy, right? And he's the owner and the bartender and the DJ, <laughs> right? Triple threat. Yeah. And there's no one else working there. It's just him, right? And he's behind the bar and he's wearing this apron, like yeah. a leather, a brown leather apron. Right. And he's very quiet and he's just doing his thing. Well, all the walls around the entire bar are his vinyl collection, like thousands of vinyl records just lined up around the entire bar, you know, That's in incredible. the walls. So thousands of records. Thousands of records. Just stacked on, just, it, it's like wallpaper. Like wallpaper, it looks wow. like, you know, wow. and obviously they're organized by whatever. Yeah, he's got it down. He's got yeah. it down, right? Right. And the way, he, you know, he's like a, he's a DJ, but, you know, his own version of DJ, sure. which is basically, he's just, he's a sound selector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? right, right, right. He plays he's what not, he wants. He's not doing like mixing and yeah. scratching, you know, he's just like, oh, right now we're going to play this. Right. right? And Old school DJ. Yeah, like old right. school, right? Yeah. But he's, he doesn't talk. Right. He doesn't say anything, right. right? And yeah, it was a cool bar, right? It's like, dude, this guy's like bringing out the jams and, you know, he's playing from, you know, you know, 60s soul music to, you know, 80s R&B and just like whatever he feels like playing. Yeah. He just goes and grabs it. Right. And puts it on. And then he puts the album on the bar so you right. know what's playing, right? Oh, that's great. Yeah. And he's got such great taste. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And I'm like, this is cool. And so... You know, one of the few people that was in there was this black guy. And when you're in Japan, you see a black guy, it's pretty rare. <laughs> Let me just say that. It's not <laughs> Sure, first, yeah, I get that. Right? So, number one, the fact that there's a black guy in here already is cool. Right, right, right. right? There's only like the, 10 the, people. The, the, yeah. The you know, cred went, went way up. The cred went way up, right? But, of course, I know my friend Omai knows what's going on. Right. So, you know, to me, it's like, no, no problem. So, a couple of girls are taking pictures with this black guy, Right. And I don't know who he is, you know, whatever. I don't recognize him or anything. But that's, you know, whatever, you know. Like, when I went into Osaka in 99, Bob Bryan is also African-American guy. Big, tall, African-American guy. And he kept getting stopped everywhere. Right. People thought he was Shaquille O'Neal. Everyone's like, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille oh, Jesus. <laughs> and, and, and finally, finally, he, he like gave into it and just started taking photos with everybody. By the way, if that happened to him in America, they'd, he'd be like, you racist motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in yeah. Japan. I think at first he was kind of annoyed, but then after a few right. days, he's like, you know what? That, that happened <laughs> in China uh, years ago. I was traveling with a buddy of mine who yeah. is tall, Sikh Indian brother, you know, B2, you know, B2. Oh, yeah, B2, yeah. And he's taller than I am, right. but he and I both got stopped because- Two white guys, well, one white guy, one yeah. Sikh brother looking, you know, maybe we were dressed, I don't know, but they thought we were somebody. Right. So, we literally got stopped a couple of times yeah. because they, it's like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, it's just exotic, you yeah. know? And so, so, yeah, so when you see a black person yeah. in Japan, like people like, right. who's that? It's right. got to be a celebrity. It's got to be right. something, right? right? But to me, it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. No big deal. You're like, right? why is there only one black person? Yeah, why is there only one black <laughs> This is JBS. There should be a bunch of black people yeah, here. right, right. right. So then, you know, 
my friend oh my you know after the guy like kind of walks away or whatever he's like saying his goodbyes to some girls that he knew there or whatever and he's taking off my friend's like oh that's he points at him like he smiling right he's like ah oh, az az and i'm like az who's az you know like i don't yeah i don't know who az is right yeah and he goes no az and i said no i, I don't i don't know who that is so finally the guy leaves and my friend's like really shocked that I don't know who AZ is, right? Okay. Like I'm supposed to know. Yeah. And so he tells me again, he's like, you know, showbiz and AZ? And I said, oh, you mean AG? <laughs> showbiz and AG? <laughs> he's like, yeah, 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 AZ. <laughs> it was oh his accent. Oh my God, right. So this was AG from showbiz and AG, which right. is, you know, old school New York yep. rap duo. Yeah. And of course I know who they are, but right. I've never, yeah. I've never. You've never heard them spoken of in that <laughs> accent. Yeah. And and it's not like, it's AG's not, even if I met Showbiz, I still wouldn't know what he looked like, you know? It's not like, you know, if I met, you know, Chuck D or somebody like, you know, yeah, right. I, I don't know which, I just know sure. their music. Right. But I don't really, you know, follow them that like that. Yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. That was, that's actually a well-known, you know, musician. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And yeah, so this little bar was like, like a dope spot, you know? and Sounds great. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I didn't, I went to a few different bars because the people I was hanging out with, you know, but here's another thing about Japanese, they love to drink and they love to smoke. <laughs> so, so every time that they could drink or smoke, they would, you know? And even the smoking is interesting. Everyone smokes in Japan, it seems like. But on the street, there's designated areas to smoke on the street. Okay. So you can't just smoke on any sidewalk or whatever. There's an actually designated area kind of like they look like phone booths or like little just blocked off areas yeah. and then you go in there and take your smoke break and then you leave. So even that is like, you know, even if you're a smoker, you have to pay attention and, and be I guess what's the word? Like, you know, it's it's not like here, right? Here's like, oh, you you know, I want to smoke here. I want to smoke wherever I want, blah blah blah. Over there, it's kind of like, no, I'm, I'm a smoker, and so I'll take my smoke somewhere else, you know? Yeah, right. So, that, so if you don't want to smell my smoke, then you don't have to. How many vapors? Yeah, you have vaping over there yet? I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm sure it's right. a thing, but but definitely the smoking was like everywhere. I wow. was like, man, you know. You were secondhand smoking a pack a day. Well, that's the thing. I wasn't. Good. That, that's Good. what was interesting. Yeah, was yeah, that yeah. Even how some you weren't were smoking, offended by it. Yeah. No, because they, they wouldn't smoke around you. Right. Most places you couldn't smoke. So, but in, when you were in that bar, there were people smoking in that bar. Like in a bar, you might breathe the smoke. In a bar, you might, but at that bar, they weren't. Right. Let me think of the other bars I went to. I don't, you know what? I don't know if they were smoking in the bar, mm -hmm. to be honest. I don't remember. Maybe they weren't because mm -hmm. I, I would have probably remembered that. So, I, I don't know if you can smoke in a bar or not. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know, but I know that, that everywhere is designated areas, you know? So I think it's just the level of respect they have for each other, yeah. for their culture, for their city, for, it's like multiple layers of respect mm -hmm. that is shown time and time again. Sure. And it's awesome, you know, when you're coming from a country where people give a fuck. Right. <laughs> you know, then you're like, yeah, you know, these people are actually trying to make life better. You yeah, know? curating a civilized yeah. society. Yeah, it's just right. so amazing. It's like, it's possible. Yeah, right. You know? But I think, well, I think it's possible for them. Like us as Americans, it's impossible. <laughs> We're never going to get to that stage because, you know, this is, you're talking about centuries of being indoctrinated with that kind of attitude. Yeah. And, you know, it becomes part of the culture. 
And our country's too young, too violent, and too fucked up. <laughs> well, it's too fucked up. I mean, yeah. our whole country, our culture yeah. is supposedly based on personal freedom, yeah. which basically is interpreted in so many dysfunctional ways, right. not at all true to maybe the real definition or certainly not applied in a way that is respectful to, because if it's about personal freedom, I don't have to give a fuck about you. Yeah. Right? Right. There's no empathy in that, you right. know, and this country, I've been watching this Ken Burns documentary on Netflix about mm. the settling of the West or the conquering of the West, right. probably a more better way of putting it. Right. And, you know, Kim Burns is amazing, but, you know, in this documentary was, again, a reminder, a very sad reminder of just what savages yeah. settled this country. Right. Savages. Yeah. And then last night, for shits and giggles, I finally watched Django. Right. Oh, you, you haven't seen it before. I hadn't seen it before. Right. Hmm. And obviously, Quentin Tarantino, you know, is a master at yeah. what he does and the whole thing. Right. And it's exaggerated. Well, it's not really. I mean, it's just, it's ex his filmmaking. It has a very specific style. But the movie reminded me, it was a glimpse into the realities of the South during the slave trade and just how savage and brutal, you know, that time was. Right. And, you know- and we know it intellectually, cerebrally. Yeah. But when you see a movie like that and you see a slave owner, sick dogs, five dogs on a slave right. to chew and eat the slave to death. Yeah. And you see that and you realize, holy fuck, this is our country. Yeah. These are our roots. Right. Yeah. And yeah, you just, it's hard to be optimistic or have a whole lot of hope for a more empathetic civilized society when your roots are and your history is rooted in genocide and slavery yeah totally anyway i digress so but what about the art scene in japan yeah well you know the art scene it's different in japan the the art scene is how do i say it well first of all you know i didn't go to any galleries i didn't do that at all sure yeah, right? yeah, yeah. you weren't there for that so I don't know what the galleries looked like or the museums or whatever, but walking around and there was a lot of graffiti. I mean, a lot of graffiti. And I'm not talking like like pieces or burners or murals. I'm talking about like just tagging. Like it was it was very interesting how much tagging and throw ups and just the city was bombed. Yeah, you know, but all it, over, all over, all over. But it's interesting because it was all over, but. And it was allowed in certain areas, you mm -hmm. can tell, mm -hmm. where like it wasn't being painted over that quickly or or whatever. But it was interesting because there would be like the bottom part of a building would be completely tagged, but the street is completely clean. And then the building is, you know, the building is like perfectly maintained, except for the graffiti part, you know? Right. And so, you know, in LA, when you see graffiti all over the city, you know, wherever you see it the most is usually there's fucking trash everywhere. Usually there's, you know, it's like you can see that's where the urban decline's happening, right? Right. And that wasn't the case in Japan. Okay. It was kind of like the graffiti was, you know, street art. Like the tagging was- Refined? Where they were, like it was okay <laughs> that they were, people were tagging those buildings. Interesting. That's, I, it probably wasn't, but- Yeah. You know, 
from an outside perspective, that's what it looked like. Well, but you know what? That reminds me, though, because I remember somebody telling me about graffiti in China yeah. and how graffiti artists were tagging or painting murals or burners or whatever, and they have no context for yeah. graffiti. Right. And so for them, it was a, an exotic fascination. Yeah. And so totally. people would just come up and watch. Yeah. Like it was sanctioned in some way. Yeah. But they had complete impunity because they had no cultural context for it. And it was just this weird, exotic, random thing yeah. that they were fascinated by. And I'm wondering to what extent in Japan, there's a similar kind of thing. Do they think about it as vandalism? Well, it's funny because every few feet I would stop and take photos of different graffiti that I was looking at because I liked the juxtaposition of the buildings sure. with the graffiti and whatever. And then a lot of times there was people I knew, right? And so I would just photograph their graffiti. And finally, like after like the 10th or 20th time that I did that, <laughs> you know, my friend Shota stops and looks over and is like, what are you doing? Like, wh right. why do you keep stopping? Right. And I said, I'm taking photos, you know? And he goes, of what? I don't see any. What are you taking a photo of? <laughs> he said, that's a garage or that's like a yeah. wall. You know? I'm like, no, I'm taking a picture of the graffiti. And he's like, he was so confused. And he goes, wait, you're taking pictures of that stuff on there, that, that writing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah. And then he just didn't know what to say. Like he was, he just didn't understand it. And I said, you see that guy right there? That guy's from New York. That guy's from San Francisco. And he goes, you can read it? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you can read it. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God, his mind was blown. Right. So it showed me that it's just not even on, on his radar. Like he doesn't even see it. Sure. You know, it's so prevalent. It's such a part of yeah. walking around in Tokyo, I guess, or right, whatever, that right, right. It's, he's oblivious well, it's, to it. It's, I always think of it as like a patina. Yeah, right. You know, an urban patina. Yeah. And in that sense, right, it becomes textural and becomes mm -hmm. kind of the part of the scenery. Right. So you, it almost blends in and bleeds away or whatever, disappears yeah. in that way, right? So I totally. wonder, yeah. And then of course, if you feel like you can't read it, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's just these abstract forms, you know? Totally. And you know, the thing was when I was in Hong Kong, it was different. In Hong Kong, there was tons of street art. There was murals, there was mm -hmm. graffiti, mm -hmm. there was paintings, there was characters. There was also graffiti, but there was much more a sense of art on the street. Yeah. You know? Like an intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Like from approach from local yeah. people. But yeah. I saw pieces by DeFace, London police. Right. I saw pieces by, you know, all kinds of international people. I yeah. think so, you know, Hong Kong is definitely an international city, obviously. And there's different, you know, I think, well, Hong Kong was its own thing, and we, which was another well, thing. Oh, yeah. Hong Kong, right. I mean, I yeah. I loved Hong Kong too because there was this juxtaposition of like million dollar buildings, you know, made out of glass yeah. and and had these crazy LED lights that would light up every night and right. just all this crazy stuff. State of the art shit. State of the art shit. Right next to a building where it's like overpopulated, where there's probably like, you know, 10 people living per room. Right. And there's people growing like trees and plants out of their windows and there's like <laughs> broken fans hanging off the building sure sure and the building, like a slum almost it looks like a slum right but it's right next to like the future yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> now were the protests going on when you know it was funny okay. because yeah i just missed the protest by a right. couple months because right. when i was there everything was good there was no issues going on 
And that, it's funny because now I'm watching on the news all the protests going on, and it's yeah. like, damn, that's that's yeah, hardcore. I, I wondered about that. I mean, when yeah. I happened to be in Hong Kong years ago, I was working in publishing at the time, and we had printers and distributors over there. But yeah. so I had the chance to go, and we were there just before the British turned it over to oh, China. Yeah, right. And there was a lot of sort of anxiety about, yeah. you know, and at that time, and then since then, of course, the, I think the rhetoric has been, or the conventional wisdom, what have you, has been, you know, one country, two systems, yeah. right? They were going to leave Hong Kong unto itself. Right. And of course, I heard that and I was like, yeah, right. I wonder yeah. how long it's going to take before they start clamping down. And exactly. I feel like that's what's happening that's now. Happening. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it you know was very interesting because there was people from all over Europe there. I mean, there was I even spoke Spanish to people. Oh, cool! You know, there was people from Spain, the people from Argentina, mm-hmm. obviously English people, a lot of Australians. Aussies are everywhere, man. Yeah, you fucking go anywhere in the world. There's a fucking Aussie to you know talk to anyway <laughs> on their walkabouts. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a way different city, Hong Kong. But, you know, also, I also found it to be very clean. Yeah. Now, my friend, one of my friends that I met there, this guy Terrence, was like, I'll take you to some places where it's not going to be clean. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm sure there is. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm not saying, you know, it's Disneyland or whatever. But compared to LA, you mm. know, like you, you get out of LAX mm. and then you drive anywhere. Yeah. And even the freeway is going to be dirty. It's going to be litter everywhere. Right. And here the the streets were so freaking clean and mm. so like taken care of. And that's one thing I just noticed about both Tokyo and Hong Kong was just the cleanliness of the roads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even just how they take care of them, you know, wasn't seeing like crazy potholes everywhere or whatever. Right. It was like smooth driving, you know. And, you know, again, it's they care about their infrastructure. They care about. And they care about infrastructure because they care about the people or trying to make it easier for their people, you know? And for example, in Hong Kong, I was at this shopping center, right? And, you know, they love to shop over there. I mean, someone told me Hong Kong is like, you know, everyone comes to Hong Kong for shopping, sure, you know? But then someone else also told me, oh, you're going to Tokyo? Well, Tokyo is the dream of every shopper. (laughs) So in Hong Kong, I was in these, you know, really huge mall or whatever and when you walk outside you walk kind of across a bridge over the road Mm -hmm. and you know part of hong kong is very hilly there's like the hills just like all up against oh yeah sure and there's a freaking escalator on this one road that goes like a mile and a half so it goes a mile and a half okay so in the morning it goes down and in the evening it goes up yep right and I just thought it was like so crazy because like, you know, we're, you can take the stairs yeah, or you can take the escal- escalator, you know? And it was <laughs> Sound like- like the world's longest escalator. It's got to be. I've never seen anything like it. Right, you know? right. And so I'm, I went on the escalator and then you could just jump off and, and yeah. walk up and down. And, you know, there's parts of Hong Kong where it's super steep, you know? Yeah. And you're walking up and down that. But again, like I said, like, why couldn't they put an escalator here too? You know, like, (laughs) why does it just have to be one escalator? (laughs) But there was an escalator, you know, if it was, if it was LA, they wouldn't put an escalator. They'd make you walk, you know, because they don't care about the old people that have to walk up and down, you know? That's right. But yeah, there's, there's, I think just Asian culture probably, you know, just have a lot more, you know, reverence for, 
for elderly people and for mm. i think knowledge and wisdom, wisdom yeah. being passed down and stuff like that like we don't give a shit about that over here you know? yeah but you know let's not also fall into that trap of romanticizing you know other cultures when in fact they absolutely have great things that we should learn from and steal from and, yeah. and, and apply but you know you know there's like some fucked up shit oh, going yeah. on too you know <laughs> sure like, there is. like what is happening you know <laughs> yeah no i mean i didn't get to see a lot of the underbelly that you're talking about but i'm sure there is you know and another interesting thing was the uber drivers over there have like freaking teslas and you know we were getting picked up by teslas like <laughs> every other uber driver was driving a tesla that's fantastic that was my next question it was like uh, you know to what extent did you use uber like oh yeah I used a, well actually you use it a lot i guess but in hong kong the taxis are super cheap you know? right and so you could just take a taxi wherever yeah yeah, you know? yeah we got in one taxi where the i'm not kidding the guy had 10 phones on his window 10 phones like they were all going. I don't know what the hell he was doing on all the phones. He had one in his hand, right? <laughs> he had one telephone in his hand. Right. There's a lot of burners, man. That's he, a lot of he, burners. He, he had iPhones. He had Samsungs. He had yeah, the yeah. whole range. Right. And they were all on and doing different activities. <laughs> you know, my, my client actually yeah. thought that it, he's like, dude, I think, I think he's gambling. I think he's gambling on oh, half, on half of those phones. That's an interesting point. It, sure. The thing was just turning and yeah, moving. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're addicted to gambling, like that's, you know, that would be easy to do, right? <laughs> so some of the phones, so I, I took a picture of it because it was just amazing. You know, half of his windshield was just full of like displays, right? Like right. telephone displays. And so some of them had maps on them. Some of them had like emails and messages coming through. Mm -hmm. Some of them had like just, they looked like a, like a ticker, like just <laughs> like nonstop. I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> Or video games, I don't know what. Yeah. But I was like, wow, that's taken to the next level, you know? I mean. Yeah, I've never seen anything close to that. I've seen people with maybe <laughs> two or maybe three phones, yeah. but not so, 10. So I don't I don't think they, they really bust people on texting over there while driving. Yeah, right. I don't think it's an issue to text and drive. Oh, my God. So, yes, yeah, so there was a lot of crazy things I saw. But, you know, but it's cool how the juxtaposition of their traditional ways and modern society and where they meet you know right. in both cities you know and so like for example we went to some temples in, in tokyo mm -hmm. and it was great it was great to you know of course you know my guide shota kept telling me like see that guy right there you know, there was always some white guy right right who's like like thinking he's doing like buddhist prayer right? <laughs> yeah and so he would say well you know that's actually a Shinto prayer. <laughs> but the guy thinks he's doing a Buddhist prayer. You know? And you only do that kind of prayer in a Shinto temple, yeah. not a Buddhist yeah. temple. Yeah. 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 But, you know, these fucking white people. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's all the same, right? <laughs> Shit, they can barely tell the difference between the Chinese and the Japanese. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, all Asians look the same. No, they fucking don't. <laughs> Have you actually ever fucking paid attention to, you know, how different everybody looks there? Since you brought that up, yeah. you have to watch the new Joe Coy. You know who Joe Coy is? The the comedian? He's a Filipino comedian. Joe okay, Coy. Yeah, okay. Okay. It's his new Netflix. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. He does, he's in Hawaii. Yeah. And he does a whole thing about that. Oh, good. Because he's, he's, yeah. he's Filipino. Yeah. And then he just talks about how Filipinos and Mexicans are the same. 
<laughs> and then, oh, dude, it's fucking hilarious. Oh, you got to watch it. It's it's just, you know, he goes on about Japanese and, and well, and, it's and, awesome. and I hope he extrapolates that to white people. I mean, all white people look the same. I mean, they're all fucking fat. Yeah. Americans, I should yeah. say, you know, Europeans. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So it's so interesting. It, it was great. It was great going. And, you know, here's the other thing, too, that every time I travel, I'm reminded of this, right? Is that no matter where I go, when people look at me, they think I'm American. <laughs> they say, hey, right, blah, 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 whatever. Right. And I say, oh, well, no, you're American, you know? And that's the thing that, that always trips me out because I am American. Right. Right? But in this country, I don't get treated like American all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, where are you really from? You know? Right. Oh, you're, right. you're no, you're, you're not American. You're Latino. Yeah. Oh, you're right. not American. You're right. Mexican. Right. And whenever I travel, I realize I'm fucking American. So fascinating, right? right? Because people understand, people outside this country yeah. probably understand and think of America as the melting pot, right? Mm -hmm. That there are, yeah. of course, all skin colors here. Yep. yep. That's what America is supposed to be about. Yeah. Right. Right. Come one, come all, come you're tired, come you're, you're yeah. weary, come you're, you know. Right. And yet in this country. Yeah. There is this whole f uh, half the country that right. just wants to keep it, you know, white. Yeah. And it's, you know, I could be there with the black guy, an Asian guy, a white guy. It doesn't matter. They know you're American because of the way you dress, the way you talk, yeah. the way you are, the way right. you act. You're American. Well, Americans you know? tend to, well, let me clarify. In my travels over the years, there is a large percentage of American tourists yeah not necessarily travelers because there's a very much a distinction between a tourist and a traveler which is true but there's a large percentage of americans that tend to skew on the side of tourists they carry themselves in a way yeah that is just very obnoxious, obnoxious yeah and you know, oh you're an american yeah but you know i don't put obviously put you in that category i think you know your style yeah they know you you're walking there's a confidence there's a you know they're like oh yeah american yeah. Uh, you know and and that's that's the image we want right, right. we want the right. image you know right like, i mean when i was in northern ireland mm. same thing it was four of us doing a residency there myself another latino artist african-american artist and well he was actually latino too i guess but he looked black and indian guy mm. and Everywhere we went, they were like, oh, there's the Americans. <laughs> right. 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 And to me, it was like, yeah, we're Americans, but we also have different backgrounds and ethnicities. Mm. And, mm. and they were just like, no, you're American, you know? And I'm, so I, I, I remember they were having, you know, we were in Northern Ireland and they were having the riots. Mm. It's a yearly thing. Mm. Happens all the time. Mm. Oh, we're going to have the riots this weekend. I'm like... <laughs> What the fuck you such, mean? Such gonna your have, watch. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, we have the riot. You guys should come out and check it out. <laughs> come out for the riots. And then I'm like, are you fucking nuts? Yeah. And they said, ah, oh, don't worry. You're American. Nothing's going to happen to you. Right? Like, this is our problem. Right. Like, right. you can come and watch. Right. And I'm You're like, like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. So, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. I'm, I'm rem this story is reminding me of how many times I've traveled and 
people ask me, you know, well, where are you from? And I say America yeah. and they don't, they're like, aren't you Spanish? Aren't you Italian? Uh, aren't you right. Greek? Aren't you Persian? Like I, it's weird. Yeah. Cause like people see that like, no, I'm American. I'm a mutt. You know, right. my, I'm a pirate power is an Irish name. I, I have French, I have German, I have Cherokee Indian. I'm a mutt. I'm yeah. very American in that way. Yeah. But it is funny how, you know, people see what they see. I mean, I, I've, I've never been, I've laid over in Japan, mm-hmm. never in Narita. And I had lunch there and I spent an afternoon day walking around in Narita, but that doesn't count really for a proper trip yeah. to Japan. I really want to get there. Yeah. Sounds no, like a special trip. I mean, next time I go, I got to go at least a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's just, oh, yeah. there's just so much to see. And, you know, I love it. I love it. I think, you know, I come back so inspired after these trips, yeah. you know. And Japan is just another place. And then also, you know, I haven't even talked about it, but the one thing I wanted to see when I went to Japan mm. was I wanted to see there's this giant Gundam, like, you know, my robots. When I, you know, I've, I've been a Gundam fan since I was a kid. Uh-huh. And, you know, even though I don't like building the kits, I like the toys. I, you know, I always like the, you know, they're the, badass. The magazines yeah. and stuff. And so they have this like one to one scale Gundam that's like, fucking 30 feet tall or some shit you know and i guess like a few years ago they did the first one right and i saw it online i was like oh shit i gotta i gotta go there and apparently every year or something like that they switch it out it travels so that first one went to another city or something like that and then this time they had the gundam they had up was uh he's a unicorn series so this guy is like it's amazing because it's like that's the other thing is the level of detail the Japanese put into shit mm. is incredible. Mm. And so just like the kits, the model kits, where you put the stickers on, there's these little tiny stickers that you have to wet and put on the body of the kit, which I always hated doing that. I always wrinkled them up and yeah, they, right. they tear. Very delicate. Yeah. Like, very delicate. Those fucking stickers are on the, the life-size, you know, Gundam. And I was like, holy shit. And so I was there for like three hours, taking photos of it, checking it out. So it's like a museum? No, it's it's outside a mall. Okay. And it's just this giant freaking Gundam outside the mall. Okay. And then there's a little cafe, a Gundam cafe. Oh, wow. And you go in there and get coffee, whatever, but everything in there is Gundam. Like you can get like like mugs and whatever. Right. And then they have a little Gundam store right behind the actual statue, little store, you can buy some shit. But then the incredible part is you go upstairs, top floor, and they have the Gundam base. And the Gundam base is, oh man, it's like half museum, half store. And it's everything Gundam ever. (laughs) So you see- All Gundam all the time. So you see, there's there's one wall, when you walk in, where it has every single Gundam that has been created, like in the series. The actual, you know, toy just lined up. It's like it's like a forty foot wall, and it's just like every single Gundam, yeah, you know, series that came out. And then you walk around, and there's like, oh man, I just can't, I can't even describe it. But they're all the kits that people have built, especially for this museum. So you have like, you know, like a Sailor Moon Gundam to like uh, invisible Gundams to. Every, you know, there's, there's Gundams that I never even knew existed yeah. in this museum. 
it's actually a store, but I keep calling it a museum because, you know. Well, just, it sounds like a museum. That's what, I mean, the way you yeah. were describing it, and then you said you were there for like two or three hours. I thought, wow, it sounds like a, well, yeah, because, like a complex of because, some well, kind. It's just huge and they're already all built and I'm just taking photos of all right, of these things. Right. But then the other half is a store and you can actually right. buy the, the right. kits, right? right? Well, one of the things that's incredible, that's totally Japanese, is there's a guy building the kits behind the counter, right? So you can just watch him do it. And you can just sit there and watch him. Wow. Right? And that's what he does eight hours a day. He sits there and builds the kit. Doesn't talk to anybody. Doesn't answer any questions. <laughs> he just sits there and is just building the fucking kits. Yeah. Right? And you're like, wow. Well, right behind him or above him is a camera and it's being live streamed on of YouTube. Of course it is. <laughs> so there's actually a Gundam channel, right? Dedicated to this guy building the kits at the Gundam base. That's so cool. It's It's... I mean, if you're into that. <laughs> if you're into that. So, you know, but that's like so Japanese, right? Yeah. And it just so happened that they also have like a little exhibition area mm -hmm. in the back where they feature a different artist that's associated mm -hmm. with Gundam or whatever. And at that moment, they were showcasing my friend Sid Mead, you know? Sid, shout out Sid. So, we got to get him on the show. Oh, man. So, Sid had created a Gundam like years ago. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of controversy around it because he was like the first like American to design sure. a fucking Japanese Gundam yeah, toy yeah, and yeah. was very, very controversial. There's people who say that that was the worst design ever. Yeah, yeah. And there's other people who say that was the best design sure, ever. Of course. Right? So it's like you're on one side or the other. Yeah, it's not, there's yeah, no middle ground. There's no middle ground. No. And of course, I love Sid Mead's work. I'm a huge fan of his work. And to see it all there was just awesome. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, it wasn't anything original. They were just like prints mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever. But what I realized was actually what they were doing is they were advertising an upcoming show that Sid was going to have in Japan that was going to open like two weeks after I left. Oh, okay. So, like, I missed the Sid Mead. Yeah. And it wasn't going to be at that space. It was going to be somewhere else. But I missed this Sid Mead, like, exhibition. And actually, when I got back, I sent him photos. And I emailed him. Oh, cool. And I said, hey, man, I, I just saw this in Japan. And, you know, I'm sorry I, miss, I didn't time my yeah. my travels correctly. And I'm, I'm going to miss your show. And he goes, yeah, you know, our show is already up. And it's already broken records wow. of how many people have come through to see the show. And so I, I don't know what the final count was, but there was already 30,000. At that point, 30,000 people had already gone through the the exhibition to go see Sid Mead's work. And if, for those of you who don't know who Sid Mead is, he's a futurist designer. He did all the vehicles for like Blade Runner, Space Odyssey. I mean, you could just go down the list of all aliens. Prolific. I mean, he's done yeah. so many. And he's in Pasadena, right? And he's in Pasadena. Yeah. You know, that's an incredible thing. We got to get him on the show. Yeah, I would love to get him on the show. He's just, when you talk to him, you always learn something when you talk to him. Sure. Like he just, dropping knowledge left and right yeah yeah and if you can keep up <laughs> it's awesome yeah but that's usually at some point you just like okay I give up he's a bullet train i'm like okay i just i don't even know what you're talking about anymore <laughs> I, th I, th I thought we were talking about art and yeah. now we're talking about like physics or something yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah. he goes he's like, genius he's yeah. a genius and so yeah, i'd love to have him on here but you know it was yeah so that gundam base was like that was the highlight of my trip right you know right. and and it was so funny because I'm there for like literally like three hours, right? Walking around, just checking everything out, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I told my friend Shota, I go, I, I can't buy any of these. He's like, what do you mean you're not going to buy one of these things? You've been He's here like, three hours. Yeah. And I said, no, you don't understand. Number one, 
which one do I buy? Right. There's like thousands of toys, you know, of yeah. kits to buy here. And I said, but here's the other thing. Like, as much as I love the kits, I love seeing the final product. Like, I don't like building them. Yeah, I, right. I, I don't have the time. Right, right. I'm like, see that guy? He's getting paid eight hours a day. Right. And he's not even finished with the fucking thing. He's, he's, been, he's been working on that fucking toy for like a week, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. go, I don't have that kind of time. Right, you know? right. I go, I like the Gundam toys. Yeah. Because then it's already built. Can I pay for one that's pre-built, please? So, of course, he had to embarrass me and go ask the clerk yeah. if there was any toys there, not just kits. Yeah. And they laughed at me and said, this is... Those only kids. Yeah. You silly American. Yeah. You know, this is the real shit. He's like, I just told you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I know what's up. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I know that they don't sell the toys. He doesn't know what's up. Yeah, yeah. So, he had to go embarrass me and is like, you know, this fucking American wants the toy. He he wants it already built. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Drive through convenience, please. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you can get those at other stores, but not here. Not here. It's only kids. Yeah. It's the real shit. It's the real shit. So, I was like, oh, man. So, then, of course, later on, we went to another store and I bought a bunch of toys. Good. But, you know, there I just, God, there was just no way I could buy just one of the kits. There was just, but that was like, like literally like a kid in the candy store kind yeah. of moment, you know? Right. And after that, I was like, I'm good. I don't care what we do the rest of the time I'm here. Right, right, like, right. I'm good, you know? <laughs> but it was quite an experience, you know? That's great to hear. I'm glad you had a great trip. And that's a great way of ending the show. Yeah. We're running out of time. Let's wrap up. Great seeing you, brother. You too, man. And for listeners out there, check us out on social and- We'll see you next time. Right on. Peace out. Peace. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and share it with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to press subscribe and follow us on IG at Not Real Artificial. We appreciate the support. Sourdough out. 